Hello, and welcome to episode 47 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and this week I am joined by my friend Ian Anderson. Hi, Ian. How's your weekend going? Going pretty well so far, as well as I could be doing in quarantine still. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Have you been watching a lot? Uh, yeah, I'm up to season seven on Survivor, so... Oh, congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. <laughs> very, very proud of you. So this week, we will be discussing the latest big studio summer blockbuster that's been relegated to the video on-demand streaming services. That is the Warner Brothers animated film, Scoob. But before we talk about that film specifically, we'll talk in general just about the VOD phenomenon that's going on right now and what we think that might mean for the future of films. And after that, we'll do a brief spoiler-free review of Scoob before running into spoiler territory to talk freely about the film. And lastly, as always, we'll finish with our point two section where we talk about some of the other things that we've been watching. So first, Ian, let's just talk a little bit about this VOD shit that's going on. So right now, there are a lot of films that you can buy VOD because they are not being released into the theaters, obviously due to the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, Scoob is one of them, and they all seem to be hovering at this price point of $20, roughly $20 for about a 48-hour window where you can watch the film as many times as you want. Mm. My first question is, do you think that's the right price point for these films? Like, is that too much money? Is that... I don't think it's too much. I feel like they, I feel like they could definitely get away with doing more, like, after going to movie theaters for years you know <laughs> it's like i i know how much i usually spend going to movie theaters um and, and twenty dollars really isn't that bad especially if you're going to be splitting it you know like we did yeah is that, is that legal can i say that we did that i think so i mean i don't i don't <laughs> <Okay>. know why not <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah i, I don't think it's too bad twenty dollars how much is traditional like i'm imax is like 17 Right. Well, so, I mean, I think at our local IMAX AMC, we have to pay almost $20 for a single ticket, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And you, like, were able to buy the movie when you did this for- Right. Well, $25. $25 yeah. So, they had a five extra dollar purchase that you could do and just own the movie. And I was like, who knows? Maybe I'll want to watch this movie again for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's too bad. So, do you think they could get away with making the price point, like, a lot higher- like how much would you pay for this? I feel like film? twenty-five dollars is what I what I expected. Twenty-five to like in between twenty-five and thirty, probably. So if I was like Ian, I want to do a podcast on Scoob exclamation mark, and we have to split a fifty dollar movie, would you do it? Uh in hindsight, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but but <laughs> if it was if it was a another movie, I guess that I didn't I haven't seen by now. <laughs> um <laughs> If it was like Onward or something or Invisible Man, you know. You would do like split $50? I, yeah, I, I th 50? Yeah, no, I said so like $50. Like, would you split that with me to watch like Onward? Uh, I feel I feel like no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. J just because like I'm thinking of it as like how much it actually, I think it's a good deal when you compare like me buying Scoob for $25 to me buying a ticket to Scoob for $17 for theaters, you know? Yeah, but like, I mean, you could argue that the theater experience is a little better than seeing the film at home, right? Or do you disagree with that? Do you think like, would you prefer to have just the experience at home if you could choose between seeing it for $17 at the theater versus seeing it for $25 at home? Probably depends on the movie. It, I definitely... Definitely with Scoob, I would have I would have paid to see that 
at home compared to in theaters if they were the same price. Okay, what if like one was a little more? Like if it was a little more expensive to see it at home? I think I still would. Yeah, I I, I really like watching movies at home. If it's if it's something like you know Avengers Endgame or a new Star Wars movie, I'm gonna want to be in the theater for the theater experience. But if it's something that I feel less strongly about having that memorable in theater experience, then I'm fine watching it out. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because I worried that that's sort of, or maybe worried isn't the right word, but that's where I think things are going to start going. Right now, we're in a very special circumstance where we can't see Scoob in movie theaters, but we also can't see Black Widow and we can't see Mulan. We can't see anything in theaters. New Mutants. Yeah. Yeah, because that was definitely <laughs> 100% going to come out for sure. <laughs> Yeah, they were probably thrilled. They were like, oh, great, the coronavirus is here. We can't release the movie. <laughs> Wait, shit. <laughs> we're they might get a cure at some done. point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when the theaters do start opening up. And then we've already been introduced to this new VOD format. And it's not like that is going to magically go away. So, yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit about this new story that uh, broke around Trolls World Tour. Uh, that movie mm-hmm. was also released on VOD in May, um, and it made, they estimated, $100 million from those sales. Some caveats with that, you com- it, it sounds like a ton of money. It is a ton of money, but when you compare it to the $153 million gross from the first film, it's a little smaller. Um, you know, It was also heavily marketed before theaters closed, and we're also not like looking at the domestic, or I'm, we're only looking at the domestic grosses of those films. So- It's a Mm -hmm. slightly not as good picture as it seems. But then on the other side of that, because it's money that they made from VOD services, uh, Universal gets all of that money. They don't have to like split it with theaters or whatever. Yeah. So Universal was like, oh, that seems great. When theaters open again, we're going to release films in theaters and immediately also on VOD services, Uh, which goes against the very traditional 90 day exclusive window that's granted to theaters. It's, I don't know if it's like a rule rule. I feel like it's one of those like socially tacitly understood deals between theaters and the movie studios. So because of them deciding to break that rule or announcing that they're going to break that rule, AMC's CEO released this incredibly petty email or press statement (laughs) that was like, this is unacceptable. Uh, so we're banning Universal. We're not going to play your movies anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. And then a couple days later, Regal released a similar but significantly less petty statement, not exactly targeting <laughs> Universal, but saying that if a film does not honor that 90 day exclusivity window, then we're not going to play the movie. So now there's this like stalemate between Universal and the movie theaters. I mean, I don't think we honestly know enough about what's going on here to reasonably comment on any of this whatsoever. But I do think it points to an interesting phenomenon that you kind of echoed in some of your thoughts, where that it seems like what's going to happen is these smaller movies are going to be relegated to the VOD services, and then we're only going to want to go to theaters for these big blockbuster movies. Mm -hmm. It it, it is a tough situation because I wouldn't trade my experiences at theaters uh, with like Star Wars movies or like waiting outside uh, theaters until midnight for Harry Potter movies when those were releasing. I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. But I I, I guess maybe this is just me, but I really don't, don't like going to theaters that are, you know, packed with people. I don't like being around tons of people in tight spaces like that, even before the coronavirus <laughs> and especially like 
theaters aren't always the most clean, especially the ones in uh, in Boston, like the common one. I, I'm not a big fan of that one. Yeah, and and I can only see myself wanting to go to places like that less now. <laughs> Let's say that when Avengers Endgame came out. If mm. Disney Plus was around at that time, let's say, and you had the choice mm. between paying, you know, $20 or whatever to go into a theater and see it in IMAX like we did, or you could watch mm. it for free on Disney Plus, which one would you do? Oh, I would for sure go to the theater. Right. Okay. Going to the theaters and seeing Endgame was like a once in a lifetime opportunity kind of thing. It's been built up for years. Um, mm. It was a big deal when it was coming out. I think I definitely would have seen that in theaters, even if it was an option to see on Disney Plus. But I don't know if I would have gone back there for a second and third viewing like I did. I, I I would have watched those on demand. Right. So, I mean, what I'm hearing and what I feel like a large majority of the people agree with or the, you know, general population agree with is that theaters are great for these kind of event movies and making mm. it, it, it like the theater should be a thing that you go to when you want this grand experience, right? Yes. But a movie yeah. such as Scoob, for example, is you don't really benefit from being in a theater other than maybe like laughing with other people or something. Mm -hmm. um, so like a lot of those movies, I feel like would be better for this VOD service. But then that kind of leads you to the question of like, what type of movies are going to get made? Are we even going to make movies like Scoob if they can't? Be reliably seen in theaters because they yeah. may not make as much money in VOD services. And I mean, this is like a really complicated question and I don't want to get too bogged down on it, but I think a huge part of the problem is that, like you said, a lot of theaters just kind of suck. Why do I want to leave the comfort of my home to go to a really shitty theater that has hopefully soda spilled on the ground? We don't know what it is, but it's <laughs> probably soda and like something popcorn sticky. In the seeds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think studios need to adapt to make it like almost a luxury experience in a way so that instead of spending $15 to see a movie in a shitty theater on a big screen, mm. we're spending maybe $25 to see either an event movie like Avengers Endgame or a movie that begs to be seen on a screen just because of like the cinematography or whatever, you know, yeah. like Portrait of a Lady on Fire or something like that. You, mm -hmm. We spend more than $20, maybe $25, and you make it a date night, and it's actually an experience that's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think that's the future that we're heading to. I mean, that sounds ideal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. Who knows? I, I do think it's funny that Universal is fighting with AMC and Regal because AMC is, like, almost bankrupt right now, so I don't know how much runway they have to ban <laughs> Universal because they need that money from... The new yeah. Minions movie and the Fast and the Furious movies and Jurassic World 5 or 6 or whatever. That's a lot of money that AMC is not going to be getting. But at the same time, it's a lot of money that Universal is not going to get. So I don't I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. But I, I really love this shit. I really like love the drama. And I love thinking about <laughs> where the world is going via media consumption. It's so cool. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. So we have pretty much no idea at this point. It could go, yeah. It could go anywhere. <laughs> Fingers crossed it uh, like benefits the consumer, but historically speaking, mm -hmm. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and move on to the main review for today. That is the film Scoob. We always have to say an exclamation mark. Okay. Scoob. Yeah, of course. It's in the title. Yeah. So for the uninitiated, <laughs> this is the latest addition to the Scooby-Doo franchise, which was first a Hanna-Barbara TV series in 1969. Nice. This was called Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? 
the synopsis of the current film is Scooby and the gang face their most challenging mystery ever, a plot to unleash the ghost dog Cerberus upon the world. This next sentence I took from IMDb. I do not take credit or punishment for this pun. As they race to stop this dog apocalypse, the gang discovers that Scooby has an epic destiny greater than anyone imagined. Scooby, nope, Scoob stars Will Forte, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, and Frank Welker as the voice of Scooby-Doo. It is written by Adams's Tykeel, Jack Donaldson, Derek Elliott, and Matt Lieberman, and it is directed by Tony Cervoni. Maybe it's time we made our new movie. Good idea, Scoob. But first we need a trailer. Oh, oh can you do the trailer guy voice? Hmm. Well, let me give it a shot. <laughs> In a world destroyed by evil. Discover the epic origin story of the greatest team of heroes. In the history of mystery. Not bad. Nailed it. So I think depending on how much you giggled at Dogpocalypse is going to determine how much you like this movie. And I just want to start by asking you the relationship that you have to the Scooby-Doo franchise property. As a kid, were you like a Scooby-Dude? Oh, hell yeah. Boomerang was on all the time after after school, was eating goldfish, just like sitting on the floor with my face five inches from the television. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a property that means a lot to you? I don't know about means a lot. It was like just mindless kind of television. So, like, something that I, I feel like I really got from this movie was that it was a lot like every single episode or movie of Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. It's nothing crazy different every time you watch it. It's formulaic, but it's safe, you know? Yeah, and it's also <laughs> endearing. Um, yeah. And it's, like, silly, and it's very lighthearted, and you know nobody's going to ever die, and it it's very much a kid's cartoon. Yes. Have you seen, like, all the other Scooby-Doo movies? I mean... I don't know about all the others. There are tons. There's a whole bunch of live-action ones. I've seen all the live-action ones, yes. Okay, so you've seen... Apparently those ones are directed by James Gunn. Did you know that? No, sorry, written, written by James Gunn. I I I knew the um like Monsters Unleashed and the uh, like the Scooby Doo uh Island one, whatever that one was. Yeah. But I think the the third one wasn't. It was like direct to Cartoon Network or something. Yeah, that was like a a reboot or whatever. Like that wasn't a yeah. continuation of that series or whatever. But yeah, I mean this series has been rebooted over and over and over again and Scooby Doo mm. and the gang has been in Dozens of different scenarios. Did you have like a classic childhood Scooby-Doo movie or something? Yeah. Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase was yours? Do you remember Scooby-Doo yeah. and the Reluctant Werewolf? Oh, yeah. It's like a race car movie. That was a weird movie. one. Yeah, and like Shaggy turns into a werewolf and it helped me learn what reluctant meant. I don't think that's the right use of the <laughs> word reluctant. Like he's not reluctant. He just straight up doesn't want to be a werewolf. Because doesn't reluctancy mean like you're hesitant but yeah. sort of interested. But still doing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not like he wants to be a werewolf. But um, I mean, I, I think uh, what's interesting about a lot of these Scooby-Doo movies is that they are significantly more supernatural and um, grandiose than a lot of the television episodes. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like all the television episodes are always explained as a non-supernatural thing. I'm not sure if all of them are. Sometimes they hint at like, uh, something supernatural actually going on. Like if you've ever seen a Scooby-Doo and Loch Ness monster, 
they like catch the person who is disguised as the Loch Ness monster, and then like at the end in the background, you see the real Loch Ness monster swimming away or something. Right, but that's it was a like movie, that kind right? of thing in the TV show sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but they did that kind of thing in the okay. TV show. Okay. I I always found it interesting that like the the movies were a lot more grandiose and mystical than the actual show. Yeah, which they was were. a lot more rooted in mm. rooted in reality. I don't know if you can even say that. There's a <laughs> dog that talks, but <laughs> um, so let's let's talk a little bit just in general about how you what you thought about this movie. Uh, does the film stay true to that original series, the spirit of that original series? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, whether it's the humor, um, the weird cameos by by real uh, famous people <laughs> that that are odd and out of place and like somewhat forced, but still kind of funny. Um, the, those like the the classic chases around. Um, I'm pretty sure they took like legit sound bites from the TV shows and episodes. And put them in the movie. Yeah, there's like an opening montage, right, in this that sort of almost identically tracks the theme song of the original series. Oh, the theme right? song, yeah. But like some of the noises, like like when they would be like running away from someone, or like when people would run into each other or get hit by something, like those sounds like sounded familiar to me. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So, did you enjoy this film? Like, what are your thoughts overall as a film? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I wouldn't go to a theater to see it. It it felt like the kind of movie that they would release on Cartoon Network at yeah. like 7 p.m. on a Friday for kids to watch. That kind of release, you know, not something that people would have to pay for and do anything to to find, you know? Yeah, which is bizarre that they decided to put this into theaters instead of just making it a, you know, directed Cartoon Network kind of thing. Yeah, I, I guess that is one root of disappointment for me in this movie um i expected it to be something a bit different just because it was something that you know you paid 25 dollars for and was going to be in theaters um i expected it to be a bit different and it it was pretty much just a long scooby-doo episode yeah to me this film is like a perfectly fine forgettable movie for children Mm. and that's not inherently wrong but I feel like we are kind of sneakily in a animation renaissance right now where there are so many good animated movies from so many different studios and everything. And if I want to look at this film as just like a movie for children, it's like, oh, okay, I laughed a little. Um, the animation is solid. I recognize the voice mm-hmm. actors and there's a couple meta references that are pretty funny. So, you know, this movie was not a waste of my time podcast over yeah but i do feel like there's so many of these animated films that can be all of that and then also so much more that it's really frustrating that this film just felt like like you said it felt like a movie that was just going to be released on tv because you have to give content to children Mm -hmm. yeah and it's especially disappointing because like they had to have lost money on this like look at the cast and then yeah. <laughs> also look look at the quality of animation. Like, I think the animation was really good. Yeah, I mean, it's stylistic in like a childish yeah. way, but it's it's well done. Yeah. Yeah. The colors were popping and everything was like on brand with the Scooby-Doo universe, but like still looked fresh and new. Um, I, I really I really liked the animation style, but it was just like the it was just the story of another Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> yeah. And the story is not particularly clever either. It's not like you're. 
it's not <laughs> i mean i don't guess i don't ever really remember any scooby-doo mystery being like mind-blowing or anything but it's not like mm-hmm. there's really a mystery it's kind of ridiculous to call this the greatest mystery ever like there's no mystery there are a couple yeah. things that are revealed halfway through the movie and then that's it i i don't know i mean like <laughs> I think it's weird that this is a film that comes from Warner Animation Group, which is the same film that came uh, that made the Lego movie. This film feels like what you would expect the Lego movie to be. If it didn't have all of the subtext of that film and all of the metatextual like references of it being aware that it's a movie and all of that stuff, you would get this movie, which is like very run of the mill. There's some jokes for adults, but a lot of them are really forced. Like there's this stupid joke about like Netflix, for example, that's sort of like, oh yeah, look, they know about the real world. That's funny, but it feels Mm -hmm. really manufactured and forced in a way that it doesn't feel like the Lego movie. Like the Lego movie, I just feel like has more talent behind of it. Not to be a dick, but there's something about this movie that just for me didn't work. And the more I think about it and the more I compare it to movies like the Lego movie or even the Lego Batman movie, or like Zootopia, or um, what's the other one? Um, or even Teen Titans go to the movies. Like that's oh, yeah. a movie that I wouldn't say is like amazingly layered or anything, but it's aware of itself. So it's actually a really fun time at the theater. And I feel like this movie is yeah. lacking all of that. Just speaking of the quality of humor and stuff, you know, they, they really made an attempt, I guess, to... Uh reach out to, like, I guess, older fans. Like, they made a Tinder joke. Oh, that was really bad. <laughs> it, it didn't It didn't land. <laughs> it was they a really a few kinds joke. of jokes like that uh, where, where you could tell they were trying to reach out to the older people, but it was like they couldn't actually make it funny without losing the younger audience and have to explain it to them. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of those things where it's like, I see the concept of what you're trying to do with that joke. It was something like, oh, the last time you listened to somebody on the internet, you thought that Tinder was a place where you can buy firewood. That's one of those jokes that's like, oh, I I, I get what you're saying or joke acknowledged, but it wasn't joke acknowledged and it's hilarious. It was just, I acknowledge (laughs) that you're trying to make a joke and it's not working. I was just going to say, I think it's like when you text LOL to somebody and you just have a straight face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of instances like that where the movie is just you can tell what it's trying to do. It's just not working on a level that is like like you can almost see that like the movie is trying too hard. Do you ever did you ever get that? Yeah. The other example is that the villain in this has these cute little robot minions that are painfully trying to be minions from the Despicable Me franchise. Oh, I, I see. I see. Minions. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, the thing is that in the moment, like if you're watching it as a movie that is meant to just entertain kids and make you not want to blow your brains out, it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minions are cute and they have little garbly noises that inherently are just adorable. But there's <clears throat> there's like a, a wall between me and the movie where I'm saying, I see what you're doing, movie. I, I'm not buying it. This is not uh, natural to me. And the mm-hmm. whole movie's like that for me. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
Let's go ahead and hop into spoilers and talk a little bit more about specifics. Um, I think for people who are listening to this and are already like, dude, it's just a kid's movie. Shut up. Um, You'll probably want (laughs) to skip the spoiler section. I think we're probably just going to analyze this a little more than anybody ever asked to analyze this movie. Uh, But if you're interested in that, we'll hop into that in a second. Ian, why don't you just summarize your thoughts on Scoob? And give us a score out of 10. Yeah, so, I mean, if you've seen a Scooby-Doo movie before, I feel like you're going to like this as much as you've liked those movies. Um, It has references to other uh, Hanna-Barbera properties. It has the fun chases, uh, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of an origin story at the beginning. It's fun, but I wouldn't have paid $25 to see it again. Um, I think I feel like I'm going to give it like a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. I think that this film has an a bit of an insincerity to it that a lot of the other Scooby-Doo films and Scooby-Doo TV shows and properties don't in a way that makes this film worse than some of the other Scooby-Doo films. So um, while I do think that it does kind of still have the same spirit of Scooby-Doo and if you are a child or if you have a child, like if you look at this film through the lens of a child, then it's fine whatever i mean you're you're not really asking for much at that point but i think because we live in a world where there are films like the lego movie and there are films like anything from pixar this film is really really lacking in having anything other than a really just straightforward story um so i'm gonna give this a six out of ten it's it's fine but it's not anything that warrants you spending money on it okay so with that let's hop into spoilers for scoob starting now that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. So, Ian, this is a film with a very important and amazing message about the power of friendship. Yes. Do you think that this film <laughs> should be nominated for a screenplay Oscar just for the sheer originality of that important and original message. You know, I I honestly do think this film has an original message. I have never come away from a movie and been like, if I ever meet Simon Cowell, I'm just not going to listen to what he says. You've never thought that? Well, you know, like they said at the beginning of the movie, he uh, produced Kelly Clarkson, pretty much. Yeah, okay. That was not (laughs) at the beginning of the movie. That was like an hour and 20 minutes into a 90-minute movie. (laughs) <laughs> okay i well, see your point though okay. still point stands yeah i mean yeah this movie it just has nothing to say and it's not even like a great story about friendship but um i mean i no. will say that the the very end when shaggy quote-unquote sacrificed himself i was like oh that's kind of sad so again this movie does work in very very basic levels um mm-hmm. <laughs> did I have a couple questions about certain things in this movie. First off, was Scooby always able to talk in complete sentences? That's something that I was wondering about, too. Not just talking complete sentences, but I seem to remember there being, like, other Scooby-Doo movies or episodes where people acknowledged that Scooby talked, and that was sort of weird. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And in this, they were just like when when uh, Scooby meets uh, young Daphne, Fred and Velma, 
everybody's just fine with this dog speaking in complete sentences. Yep. <laughs> that, that felt a little weird to me. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to go down that road, they're also perfectly fine with like supernatural energy being emitted from these canine skulls and Cerberus being real and sealing the gates to the underworld. And I guess we don't know what this universe has been through. They obviously have superheroes established there. Yeah, I I was not aware <laughs> that that was going to be an actual thing, like that they were going to be real people. <laughs> Yeah, no, neither was that. <laughs> Did you know that all of these characters are Hanna-Barbera characters? Yeah, yeah, I said that earlier in the non-spoiler section. Yeah, so I was completely unaware of that until after the movie, because I was watching the movie and I noticed that Dick Dastardly looked really familiar. Like, I had seen mm -hmm. him in things and I was like, that's crazy. He's got to be from something. And so I Googled it and I found that he's got his own wacky show races. called, like, yeah, Wacky Races. But then every single other character is also, like, I did not know Blue Falcon was a real yeah, quote unquote, real character. They were all on my uh, my little boomerang schedule for after school. <laughs> yeah, they they had tons of crossovers in uh, I guess the seventies and eighties. <laughs> so, do you think that this is the uh, start of the Hanna Barbera cinematic universe? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could be the HBCU. <laughs> if it is, I'm not in. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in, so that you don't think that this is like a good starting point. Um, you know. Man of Steel started off the DCEU, and that made it decently far. So this could be fine. I think. I think if you're comparing it to that, this this stuck the landing. <laughs> I think that's more of an indictment on Man of Steel than it is like praise for this movie. <laughs> Take it how you will. So I had a couple other questions. One being, has Velma always been Hispanic? Yeah, I I was wondering about that too. I mean, I don't. I don't really care either way, but I, I don't recall that being a thing. Yeah, I I mean, she's voiced by Gina Rodriguez in this, and she yeah. has like a very clear like Hispanic um, enunciation of a certain word that I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, whoa. I mean, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that's pretty much as far as my mind went with it. I was like, oh. I also uh, did not know that Shaggy's first name was Norval. That was a reveal. Oh, me. yeah. <laughs> I remember that from... Uh, uh, what's it called? A pup, a pup named Scooby Doo. When they oh, were all right. kids, that was a that was a series from when we were younger. They called him <laughs> Norval in that sometimes. Oh, okay. Who do you think has a better name origin, Scooby Dooby Doo or Han Solo? Okay, listen. I I thought the Solo thing was pretty clever, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I I liked that. I mean, I didn't. I liked so much of that movie. Yeah, I mean, so did I. I just I didn't think that was particularly clever. But I mean, it's more clever than this. Yeah, it, the Scooby-Doo thing was pretty bad. <laughs> I just, I don't understand. So they 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 show you why his first name is Scooby. But then what does Doobie and Do, like he just pulls that out of his ass. He could have said anything. There's no reference to Doobie or Do. I have no idea. Just train of thought got him there, I guess. Lucky. <laughs> That's like that's like if you were doing an origin on Harry Potter's name and like you had a brush or something and there was hair on it. So you were like, oh, his name's Harry. What's his last name? And then you just made up Potter. Uh, Potter. Like there was no pot or anything around. It was just Potter. That was a dumb scene. I actually thought it was kind of weird. It, that it was. This whole movie was sort of pitched as like an origin story. And the origin story was in the first five minutes. And then they skipped a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I enjoyed the origin story more than I did the rest of the movie. Yeah, me too. Because, I mean, like a tiny little dog is cute. 
Yeah, and also it just like felt a bit more original than the rest of the movie did, I guess. I I mean, I think it also had one of one of two of the best characters in the movie. That was the cop that had to chase Scooby as he was oh, stealing yeah, that was, the, the rose. He had a line that was like, uh, I, okay, the thing I do love about this VOD stuff is that I was able to go back and watch certain clips of the movie so that I could like specifically get the dialogue of it. Uh, oh, yeah. But when, when he finds out that Scooby has a name, he's like, well, if a dog has a middle name, there's no punishment for damages <laughs> or theft. <laughs> Those are the laws. Yeah. <laughs> That entire scene was so funny. How he asked for the dog's name, and then he was like, "Middle name." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like do dogs have? Like, oh, right, names? my dog's middle. Name. <laughs> yeah, have I been like skimping out on that all my life? Have my dogs been mistreated? <laughs> Apparently, well, I mean, like if you do give them a middle name, then they can just steal whatever they want, and there's no consequences. That's that's the law. true. Yeah, that's what that means now. Yeah, my other favorite character was the bowling alley girl. I thought that she gave the best lines of like self-awareness that the movie had. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. To to like Velma, Fred and Daphne. Yeah. Well, she describes what? Shaggy as like a scrangly dude that had the habit of using like at the start of every sentence, <laughs> almost as if he was some middle-aged man's idea of how a teenage hippie would talk. That's just a clever line. And I feel yeah, like the movie was trying to be more of that. But it, other than a couple of moments, it just wasn't smart enough to have any of that meta commentary. Yeah, I agree. That was pretty funny, though. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess I have one last little thing. I just wasn't right. sure if it was like real or made up from the movie. Did Alexander the Great actually have a, a dog that he was like super tight with? Like, how how much of the story is? I no. I don't know, man. I you don't know. Are okay. you seriously asking me if I know if Alexander the Great had a dog? I don't know. Like, <laughs> is that a common thing to know? I, I genuinely, I'll look it up right now. Let's see, Alexander. I didn't know if you've done research. <laughs> I don't do research. <laughs> what do you, What do you think my job is, Ian? Research assistant. Oh yeah, look. It says Paritas was Alexander the Great's favorite dog, who accompanied him during his military exploits. Oh, okay. So there you go. I wonder what breed Paritas was. I don't know. Did they have... I don't know if they had, like, established breeds back then. Well, as any good research assistant would know, uh, Wikipedia is a very reliable source of information, and it says here that the breed of Paritas <laughs> is hard to ascertain and remains unknown. But it was sometimes referred to as a Malazer, which I don't know what that is, or a Bulldog. So not a Great Dane. But Not a Great Dane. Whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, so that was a thing. I guess they took some liberties there. Yeah, I, I really cared about that. So maybe maybe I'll change my score for accuracy to like a 6.25. You knocked off 0.25 because Paritas was supposed to be a bulldog? Yes. Honestly, Dick Dastardly had it closer with his dog, honestly. Okay, so I didn't totally understand like if he actually cared about the dog or not. Because he was telling the story about how he was sad, but he did not seem that sad when the dog couldn't come back through the portal. Can't believe we're having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, they had a weird relationship in Wacky Races, at least. Yeah. Analyze the emotional relationship between <laughs> Dick Dastardly and Mutton. I mean, 
you also have to think about who Dick Dastardly was played by, played by, you know, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. You know, and- he, he enslaved Dobby. So how much could he really care about an animal? You're saying Dobby's an animal? I'm saying if Dobby wasn't an animal and he and he enslaved Dobby, how much worse would it be for an animal? That's true. And famously, all characters played by the same actor are the exact same in every single way. So, I've never seen that actor not be Lucius Malfoy. So checkmate. He was Captain Hook in um, one of the like live action Peter Pans. Um, I don't think I've seen any of those. So <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> I think you don't need that one in your knowledge bank. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Before we wrap things up, uh, I do want to point out that they clearly established that Scooby has a speech impediment from an early age. Um, Oh my, that was so funny. (laughs) Well, (laughs) when he first meets Shaggy, Shaggy's like, oh yeah, no, my name is Shaggy, not Raggy. And he's like, oh, I'm he keeps saying raggy and then shaggy says we'll work on it which they clearly did not he maintains his yeah. speech impediment throughout uh throughout Adulthood. adolescence yeah. yeah yeah that that brings up the other really weird scene that like was like the tinder scene the the dick scene with dick dastardly when he was just screaming dick over and over yeah yeah i couldn't tell if i was supposed to think that was or why I was supposed to think that was funny. <laughs> yeah, he was he was just screaming dick over and over again. Dick with a D. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really couldn't tell if I was supposed to think that was funny because he was getting mad about Scooby and incorrectly pronouncing it or if they were making a dick joke. How old do Great Danes live till? Because <laughs> they established... That was so random. <laughs> they established that, um, that it's been 10 years. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking it up. So, oh, fuck. it's probably like 10 in a few months. It says 8 to 10 years. Oh, no, Scooby. <laughs> like, Scooby is decrepit. He's like, <laughs> like, you should not be able to run fast at all. You should be like lumbering through things. He probably has arthritis or something. Like, you know when dogs are, I bet he can't, I bet Scooby shits his pants all the time. Like, he's just incontinent. <laughs> That's probably what happened to Dynoma. That's why he was transformed into a robot. Was he not always a robot? I don't know. It looks like he's like part robot, part real dog. I don't know. It looks pretty unreal dog. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. I think we burned Scoob into the ground. <laughs> Ian, what else have you been watching other than this masterpiece of a film? Wait, I'm sorry. Did you give uh, Scoob a score? Yeah, a long time ago. I said six. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, you can just cut this bit out then. Uh, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Survivor lately, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use that for my point too because I I feel like I don't know enough about the 40 seasons to make a knowledgeable uh, review of it. Wait, so. hold on, hold on, hold on. There's 40 seasons, and you're watching them all in order? Yeah. Holy shit, why? Well, like, okay, never mind. I mean, why? You have what, infinite what time. I I get, yeah, true. Yeah. All right, I received my comment, but like, <laughs> damn, that is so much TV. How long is each season? Um, I think probably like 13 episodes or something. 
Okay, I thought it was like 26 or something crazy. No. Um, I mean, there are only 16 competitors every season, one competitor every episode, and the last episode has four competitors in it. You know, Kevin Thomas so. applied to be on Survivor, right? You remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I watched his, uh, his audition video last week. Yeah, it's an amazing video. <laughs> it was quite interesting. One of our old teammates okay. definitely applied for Survivor. It was hilarious. Yeah, I think that was like season 37. Oh, wow. He applied to. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I also watched Brave recently for the first time. Um, I can't believe that it's taken me this long to finally watch Brave, but I did. So, uh, and I actually really liked it. It was fun. The, the music was nice. Um, I liked seeing Scotland. Huge fan of Scottish things. Love Outlander. So th- this was nice to see. I don't really know much beyond that. There, it wasn't a super complicated movie. Um, Merida was nice. <laughs> probably not my favorite. My probably not my favorite uh, main character of Pixar movies. Yeah, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's a fine movie. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of hate when people are like dicks about opinions of movies, but I was probably the biggest dick i've ever been to you when you texted me that you were watching brave (laughs) and i was like why are you watching Brave?" and then you said it was good and then i responded no it's not um (laughs) so i'll say on air i apologize for that i'm glad you liked it i do think it's one of the weakest pixar movies for sure i i loved like the whole mother-daughter relationship kind of thing i can't think of another yeah i could be wrong but i can't think of another pixar movie um disney pixar movie with a mother-daughter relationship with like that yeah that's true i mean disney usually does not focus on parents in general if i remember right did i say disney doesn't jesus pixar doesn't disney definitely does yeah yeah um yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't really comment too much on it. But I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't. <laughs> Have you been watching anything else? I watched, uh, what, what is that movie called? House at the End of the Street? Is that the one with Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, yeah, yeah. It w- was not that great. And it also had the... um. The woman who was in the boys, uh, she was the woman in charge of the whole team kind of thing. Did you watch the boys? Oh, yep. I do know who you're talking about. I just don't have any idea yeah. what that actress's name is. Yeah. So it's about uh, Jennifer Lawrence and whatever the actress's name is, uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue. Does sure. that sound right? Yeah. Maybe. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, the wiki I'm looking at right now has the actress name wrong for jennifer lawrence's character which is hilarious <laughs> wait wait wait. Uh, you might be looking at a different movie uh house at the end of the street and then the picture above it is jennifer lawrence oh, okay never mind but it, it says max max theorio um but it, it's about this mother and daughter who move into a neighborhood and they live next door to this house where there was a double murder from years ago and it's just sort of about um, the neighborhood and how they react to uh, the son who still lives in that house and the daughter's relationship with her mother and with this boy who lives in the house next door where people were murdered. Um, and tension just sort of builds from there. 
Um, and I thought it did a really great job at building tension, actually, and had like a surprising twist that I liked. But um, the rest of it, where it, it wasn't focusing as much on suspense and building tension, was just not that good. Like, I couldn't care less that she was in a band. So I've definitely seen this movie, and I <laughs> do not remotely remember what you're talking about in terms of her being in a band. But I do remember that there's a pretty cool twist. They, they like throughout the movie they would always be like so you ready for the battle of the bands this week and then like everything would of course like the the peak of um like the climax of the movie is on the night of the battle of the bands you know mm -hmm. but like i don't care <laughs> about the battle of the bands <laughs> like there are people being killed i don't care about the battle of the bands <laughs> And it seemed like the movie did a really bad job of, like, balancing the stakes between um, this girl being in the band and her commitment to her band and mm -hmm. her life at stake. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where did you watch this? Uh, I think it was on Netflix. Okay. And... I only watched it because, it, it, you know how Netflix has those new rankings that's, like, top ten of the week? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the reason I watched it. It was like number nine or something. I can't tell how much I like that top ten feature. I feel like it's too persuasive for me. I hate it because you can't find an actual list anywhere on Netflix of them. They like they just come across the little numbers while you're looking through normal Netflix mm. lists. Like you can't find a consolidated list of the top ten really? things. I feel like you can. I yeah. feel like I've definitely seen those. Well mine doesn't have it okay <laughs> yeah i mean netflix is famous for just having ridiculously different uh uis across different uh yeah. interfaces and stuff so whatever so annoying but uh so would you recommend this i can't tell yes i yeah i think i would um just know that you're in for a lot of really boring parts that you won't care about glowing praise from ian anderson over here <laughs> all right <laughs> Um, if you have Netflix, it's free and you have nothing else to do. So watch it, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. So I've been using the last couple weeks and months or whatever to try and catch up on some of those movies that are considered, I wouldn't consider them classics, but I would consider them films that kind of have crept into the consciousness of society due to either lines or characters in those uh, movies or whatever. And one of the ones that I recently saw was A Few Good Men. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Oh, yeah. Have you heard of this movie? Yeah. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this is a movie from 1992 directed by Rob Reiner. It's pretty famous. Stars Tom Cruise, yeah. Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, and Kevin Bacon. Um, it's written by Aaron Sorkin, and it's the film that the you can't handle the truth line comes from. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll just read a quick synopsis. Uh, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey is a military lawyer defending two U.S. Marines charged with killing a fellow Marine at the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba. Although Caffey is known for seeking plea bargains, a fellow lawyer, Lieutenant Commander Joanne, Joanne Galloway, convinces him that the accused Marines were most likely carrying out an order from a commanding officer. So Caffey takes a risk by calling Colonel Nathan Jessup to the stand in an effort to uncover the conspiracy. 
So this is basically just like a really straightforward but super engaging legal drama where you get to watch Tom Cruise go toe-to-toe with Kevin Bacon and then go toe-to-toe with Jack Nicholson. And I just freaking loved this film. I thought it was so fun. Um, It's very much a 90s film in the sense that there is one female character in it and she is played by Demi Moore and she is appears at the very beginning to be clearly clearly more competent than tom cruise and yet tom cruise is the main character and gets the job that you know demi moore probably probably should have gotten and all of that stuff so there's all of that like 90s stuff but it's just a really really slick drama like there's so many just back and forth firings between the prosecution and the defense yeah. and it just like goes back and forth and you're never sure who's gonna win because like the the tide of the battle goes back and forth. It's just a really, really fun watch. And you get to watch Tom Cruise yell at Jack Nicholson and then have Jack Nicholson, who is the scariest man alive, yell back at him. And it's just a ton of fun. So I would definitely recommend yeah. it. I, I also seem to remember re- reading um, when I was in like one of my film classes that this was like a pretty cool movie because people expected Demi Moore and or expected Demi Moore to be, like, a love interest with uh, Tom Cruise's character, and they just, like, didn't do anything like that. They were just, like, strictly business, and that, w- and that was, like, a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah, that was really, really nice. And also, Demi Moore is incredibly competent in her job, and so is Tom Cruise. Uh, it's just that, like, mm-hmm. she cares more about it. And so you do get that for the first half of the movie, like I said, where it's like, why is Tom Cruise getting all the respect that Demi Moore should be getting or whatever. But then mm-hmm. as you uncover the plot, you kind of see that there's sort of a point to why Tom Cruise was chosen. And then you also see why people say that Tom Cruise is good. Like I feel like it is clear that he actually is a good lawyer. So they're both just excellent lawyers and there's not, you're mm-hmm. right. There's no um, relationship or anything like that. It's pure courtroom drama, which yeah. I think is really fun. There's also the guy who plays Joel Maisel's dad in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, really? Yeah, he's in it. I like him. Yeah, he's a good guy in this. It's, it's really fun. So I would definitely recommend checking this out if you haven't seen it before. Uh, it's A Few Good Men. Can, can I ask, um, I'm not sure it, what your feelings are about Tom Cruise, but did this like did this movie change your opinion on him as an actor? No, because I love Tom Cruise. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't know if you're allowed to say that. Uh, I <laughs> I think Tom Cruise is a very entertaining actor. And I think all of his movies, even the ones that suck, are pretty entertaining because Tom Cruise knows yeah. how to entertain. And he's like one of mm-hmm. the last people in Hollywood that is from like a dying breed of actor that is really just interested in entertaining the audience. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like, Dwayne Johnson is a significantly less talented version of that. But Dwayne Johnson always picks properties that are like, yeah, this movie is just going to be fun. And I think Tom Cruise has a lot more acting chops than Dwayne Johnson, but has very similar decisions in his properties. Um, It kind of sucks that he's a Scientologist and Scientology sucks and (laughs) takes advantage of people and is shitty. Yeah. But whether or not it's kosher, I can separate the work from the artist and this particular instance so cool yeah i feel the same way about tom cruise pretty much 
like that that movie Night and Day from a while ago. Yeah, it was like a bad a- action movie, but I I really like that just because Tom Cruise is really fun to watch do things. Yeah, it's it's a bad movie <laughs> for sure, but it's also really fun to watch Tom Cruise strangle a guy with a airplane seatbelt. Like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't begrudge people who choose not to watch Tom Cruise movies or anything like that, like teach their own. But for me, I think he's just a really fun presence on screen. And he's going to space. Yeah, for did sure. Did you hear about that? Oh, right. Yeah, I did. I did see that. He's going to be like the first like actor filming in space or something. Yeah, I think he's filming on the space station or Elon Musk is sending him to space or whatever. So, yeah, crazy attracts crazy, I guess. But it's good for us. <laughs> Yeah, he's probably going to dive out the space station. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that would be so cool. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, no, whole, I absolutely would. <laughs> if the whole movie is just 30 minutes of Tom Cruise falling out of a space station towards <laughs> Earth, I will just watch that. I will pay the $20 to get an IMAX ticket to watch that on the big screen. He's going to fight like an army on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> All of which also are actually there. I mean, I... I yeah, not CGI. You'd think that CGI, like if CGI is good, it wouldn't really matter whether or not it's actually there or not. But something about knowing that Tom Cruise does a lot of his own stunts just does make that yeah. stuff so much cooler. And Oh, yeah. Like the, the Top Gun movie, like the, the newer one. Yeah. The one like that... he was actually flying and acting at the same time. Yeah. Like he had to learn it's how to crazy. fly a fucking plane. Yeah. Or like it, yeah. <laughs> in uh, Fallout when he just – he has to learn how to fly a helicopter and also crash a helicopter. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So good for him. Uh, you know, this is probably all going to sound really bad in a couple of years when Tom Cruise dies because he was trying to entertain us by jumping off a building without a parachute or something. But um, until then – Hey, so far he's been done at what he got. He's been good at what he does. So Yeah. Yeah, so far he has not died, and that's all we're basing this yeah. off of. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> this has been our review of Scoob, as well as Tom Cruise's career as an actor. <laughs> Ian, thank you again, as always, for joining me. Is there anything specific that you'd like to plug here? Yeah, uh, I guess follow me on Twitter. I, I make good jokes there sometimes at sometimes. I Anderson on, on Twitter. Uh, the the O is a zero in I Anderson. Yeah. It's the first good joke you're going to get. You made that exact same joke when you were here like three weeks ago. I admire the consistency. Oh, it's that consistency <laughs> that you will get on I I do not remember doing that. Nine. <laughs> the intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at MovieMarathoners.Podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing, and any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when I am joined by Rosa from Rosa's Reviews to review the new Netflix film, The Lovebirds. So stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.